Welcome, welcome, welcome to F1 with DRS. I'm Dan Shepard. I'm joined by Matthew, Jethro, and Charlie. I wore a special outfit for you guys today. And Matt, you immediately got it. Oh, I knew it. The texture, the colors. <laughs> it was bang on. <laughs> David Beckham. Do you think you would it would have triggered anything for you, Charlie? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it would have clicked. Yeah, we all watch. And Jethro, you're going to be heavily involved in this. So the three of us watched the David Beckham four-part documentary this weekend while we were in Austin at the race. Have you watched it? I have not got through all of it, but I've definitely watched, I think, the first two episodes. That's key. That's the two I need you to have seen. So anyone who's not seen it, first of all, you must watch it. It's a 10 out of 10. It's phenomenal, right? Yeah, and I'm not, I don't watch soccer. I don't know anything about it, him included. Same, same. I know he's good looking. That's it. That's That's all I knew. Yeah, I didn't even know if he was good at soccer or if he was just a celebrity in the soccer world. But Like the Kim Kardashian of soccer. Yeah. Yeah. I also (laughs) said to Laura that I've watched a lot of documentaries where I'm like, oh, this person seems really nice or they seem pretty down to earth. But David Beckham, I was like, I've never said someone looks so sweet and kind in that position. Like Uh he just seems wonderful. For the folks who haven't seen it yet and don't know the backstory, and I don't think we're ruining too much of it. But he has an an incident in a World Cup game, which is, A, so justified it's insane. The guy shoved him down and then pushed his head into the the turf. And then he just kind of lifted his leg up, and this guy sold this huge fall. And up to that point, Beckham had been kind of a national treasure. Yeah, Jethro? Yeah, he he was basically the brightest spark amongst what we called our golden generation. So... This was a group of players who were world-class players. And it was the first time in a long time we felt like we had a really good chance to to find success in the World Cup on the international stage. We have won the World Cup once in 1966. And we cling on to it. Yeah, we cling on to it very, very dearly. I thought it was way more than that. (laughs) Me too. When I think of England, I think of like, oh yeah, you got Manchester United, you got all these different teams. Ten times. Everyone's obsessed with it. We have the best league probably in the world, but we have traditionally Europe and South America have had the really fantastic technical players. They they make the game look like an art form. And then in the UK, we like lump it up the pitch and have a bloke who's tall who heads the ball in. That's <laughs> that's how it's been. And that's changed over the years because we now have this huge influx of European and South American players. But yeah, historically, we are great underachievers internationally. Um, but this was the golden generation and Beckham was the, the leading light, if you like. I also want to say as a precursor to this, that I'm as much of an Anglophile as you can be without being an actual Anglophile. Like, I I really have a sweet spot in my heart for the English. I mean, it only makes sense. I think I'm 70% from that area. But I saw a side of you guys in this documentary that I got to say actually shook me to the core. I had no idea you guys could get so fucking mean. (laughs) Incredible. It's incredible. The entire nation was attacking this guy for, like, the most innocuous 
anything. Yeah, it was hysterical. I would say that. So Dave Beckham, yeah, as you said, he kicked out a, um, the Argentinian player in a in a huge match. It would have been, was it the semifinal of the World Cup? He got a red card and got thrown out. And then there were kicks at the end that they thought he would have probably been able to put one in. Yeah, but the point is once you're sent off, instead of 11 v 11, it's 11 v 10. We're already facing Argentina, who are a great footballing nation. And it was relatively petty, but absolutely forgivable. <laughs> But it was like a, <laughs> it was just a metaphor for our whole footballing world. You know, whenever we have hope, it gets it gets destroyed. And it's often by something as stupid as that. So you think maybe that he was the levy that broke like 50 years of resentment against? It just, it just seems so asymmetrical, this reaction and how cruel it was. Yeah, there's probably a load of things going on. You can imagine what the average, you know, these people who are deeply religious about any sport. I find it slightly weird anyway. Like, I love F1, I love various sports, but it's their whole identity. It becomes their identity, and that's the way football mm. is in the UK. And I guess this was in the period where football was changing anyway. The hard man sort of football world would ch was changed. So now you've got David Beckham, pretty boy, long hair, yeah. you know, fashion guy, Spice Girl, the whole thing going on. So already there's probably a bit of simmering resentment from the average guy watching. That seems to be the other consistent theme is that there's this, like, you keep hearing about Tall Poppy, and I always think, you know, Tall Poppy's everywhere. It certainly was in Detroit. You didn't want to be too big for your britches. You got taken down a peg. But I would say here it seems a lot more on display in that all of his coaches kept punishing him for really nothing because he had a girlfriend that was popular. You know, it was their theory that he was distracted, yet he's playing better than everybody, and he's clearly not distracted. But there was just this resentment against him for being famous. Yeah, I think probably there was. I <laughs> yeah. think probably there was. I, I mean, it, it comes down to as simple as that, doesn't it? And he was part of, you know, Alex Ferguson, who was the manager you're talking about, was is a legend. He he came into Man United when they hadn't won anything for years and he created this period of dominance, but he famously was the real boss. Now there's so much p player power, but back then there was less and he would really tear into the players. There's a famous instant when he kicked a hairdryer and it hit David Beckham in the head and like all this stuff. Yeah, he had a big gash above his eye and then they were saying yeah. he was getting makeup done to make it look worse. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so that to him, David Beckham's existence was almost the opposite of how he identified with football and how he had come up in that the documentary. Obviously, it, it emphasizes some of this stuff happening, but there's no doubt he was vilified in a completely ridiculous way. Like mannequins hanging from... <laughs> Yeah, from pubs. Oh and then that guy God. who thought he was so clever, he's like, it's not mom news. I borrowed it. Oh, great. You're you're clear then. No no wrongdoing on your end, so long as you borrowed the gun you shot your wife with, as long as it's borrowed. But how abusive are the crowd at US sports? Because that is, no, is a great no. tradition that I love about oh, going to football matches. It's like nothing is off the table. You just, these players get so much abuse. The fans are so... <laughs> thinking about putting each other in hospital it's just it's bizarre 
but somehow brilliant. I love it. Well, I think ours are pretty bad in the moment. We just, it's over when the game's over. Like there's people throwing yeah. bottles on fields and there's that football game where people were throwing hunks of ice at the players. And yeah, there's it. been riots and but, there's been some baseball yeah. games. Yeah. yeah, and but it's all in the moment. It's that game and it's done. They're not, no one's a national villain for a <laughs> no. year. Well, Detroit, they <laughs> threw live animals on the ice. Well, the, octopi. The octopi. And look, but even like, let's say Ron Artez, who very justifiably beat mm. the fuck out of a couple Detroit fans who charged the court and threw drinks at him. It was... A, the country was split. Like, I think half the people were like, yeah, the, those folks got what they deserve. I don't know. The only example we were tr- like really thinking about, it's the 180. It said he was the, the golden boy. And then 30 seconds later, he became the arch nemesis of all of the UK. It's so crazy. I, we've never really had anything like that. We had Kobe, you know, he had some allegations or I don't know if they were confirmed. I hate even bringing it up, but suffice to say he went through a very rocky phase and in that stadium in Denver where the court case happened sure he would get booed but in general we don't have anyone that gets and it booed was everywhere they every go every single london soccer fan whereas in here well, it's in like, non fan it seems yeah every Just, everyone well yeah, everyone i guess is a fan and yeah, so, so then, everywhere he went he got booed as soon as he got the ball and yeah it became like a sport it looked real dangerous yeah. like w- when he's arriving when when you, he goes back to play with manchester united and he's arriving in the bus and there are 10,000 people around the bus chucking bottles at the bus and hitting the side of it it looks just straight dangerous i'm like yeah. this is this is dangerous. He's like he didn't get beat to death by some out of work guy whose wife just left. Did him. you watch that game live? Like, do you remember that game? And would I you have booed it. him if you walked by him? Oh, good question. No, no, I wouldn't because I'm not. I'm not. Um, I wish we would have seen Jethro on one of those. One of those. <laughs> <laughs> Jethro, fuck you, like, David Beckham, you fucking. <laughs> I mean, if I was at a ground, I would have shouted abuse at him because it's funny and that's part of the culture. Like, yeah, sure. But I wouldn't have taken it outside of outside yeah. of the ground. I, I like I say, you, you need to go to a like really um intensely rivaled football match because it's the abuse you hear is fantastic. It's it's scary if you've got your kids with you because they learn an <laughs> awful lot of new words and new expressions. But it's, it's scary if it's your kids so, with you. it's just such a it's just such a great time. And I know we live in politically correct times and we probably it's coming to an end, but I do enjoy the songs and the abuse. Is, well, we have some uh, Dodger fans that get shanked in the parking lot pretty often. Yeah, there's some fan on fan violence. Raiders, famously, there'd be a lot of stabbings at those games. You haven't cornered the market entirely on the, the inter. It, it's not the it's not the actual violence that I, I like. The humorous like songs and like I like the fun element of it because people there are people who this is life and death. Do you like when they were chanting "Posh Spice takes it up the ass"? Was that a chance? I mean, you know? <laughs> Sitting I mean, beside God. her doing it. Uh, as, as, as a pretty top drawer. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh my. And yeah, then people this, were calling this, his mother, like telling his mom to go out in the parking lot and fight <laughs> his mom. <laughs> yeah. I think it's just a cultural thing. I, I kind of, it was just a little shocking, but all's forgiven. It makes me want to go watch a couple matches. Oh, really certainly I want to go fight in the parking lot. Yeah. That's a given. I would love to. I, th- I think the that. violence actually died down by this point because they always, we had a terrible problem with football hooliganism. We got banned all over Europe. Um, but it died down when ecstasy came in, funnily enough. Oh, as man. Soon as as soon as rave culture took over, all the, all the boys who'd been out boozing and went to football for a fight the next day, they were all 
taking pills and hugging each Making other. Making love so, and holding hands. So there's, yeah, it's, it's like a serious, um, the, the old school football hooligans absolutely despise ecstasy because it ruined their sport of beating the crap out of other people on a, on a Sunday afternoon. So yeah, sure. that's what happened. Wow. Sure. I wonder if any of them they could have volunteered with the DEA just to be a part of the cleanup efforts and <laughs> yeah. get back to cracking skulls and <laughs> busting beer bottles on people's faces. Okay. So that was that issue. I was, I'm glad to hear your perspective on that. Um, I want to know now culturally for you, if you're having this, we're watching it and we're just like, our souls are on fire with the, the knowledge that we will never be as cool as David Beckham. Mm. We won't dress like him ever. Our tattoos won't look like his. Won't clean the house like him. We can't clean in the house. We don't have the style. It's just it's just searing my soul when I watch it. I'm like, this guy is impossibly cool and fun to look at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even his voice, which in the early days you would have heard him talk, it's so, he's sort of grown into, he's almost got a normal man voice now as well, hasn't he? Which I think <laughs> he- was the one thing that God <laughs> took from him in the early days. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even, notice it because we're meeting him present day he does acknowledge it like episode four he says his voice got deeper oh yeah yeah you need to listen to him early on yeah he he sounds right yeah i think he's come full circle definitely in the uk everyone really now treasures him he was a huge part of bringing the european championships to us he campaigned to get a world cup in england and he's become like a national treasure now so i think although it's been a rocky road he's back as as a beloved member of our incredible famous world society (laughs) (laughs) yeah just that um, moment where that the whole country has hated his guts for a year and then he goes to i guess the european cup with manchester united or however manchester united ended up in a in a global match and then the next day everyone loves him and he's just got to shift gears (laughs) he's like okay we're back to this uh but there's this beautiful moment where his dad's talking about that year of his life and he goes that's the year that year made my boy into a man Mm -hmm. and i'm like oh that's fucking cool that's what you want to hear your dad say at some point (laughs) it showed again like i wish i had that in me as a dad to be as like hard on my kids and make them do (laughs) Do you know what i mean it seems like you cannot be genuinely great in a sporting arena unless you drill your kids with with this routine over and over and over again so this became a topic and i think we actually cracked something about this because we were all lamenting about the same thing like yeah i just would never ever destroy lincoln's life in pursuit of some athletic thing and we were saying every one of these parents is identical you've yet to see the doc where that wasn't their parents but what we figured out is that that's not the case for these x games stuff so sean white's parents did not push him at all he was just Mm. singularly focused on doing that thing well two things skateboarding and snowboarding and similarly with Tony Hawk, what's interesting, what we f- we think we figured out the psychology is if the sports knew and the parents have mm-hmm. had no dream of their own of doing it, that won't happen. All these parents, they're trying to fulfill their own egocentric fantasy of being, you know, in Beckham's case, his dad wanted to play for Manchester United. That's all he wanted. Yeah. So because no parent of of my age group grew up watching snowboarding they don't give a fuck if their kids are good at snowboarding because it doesn't fulfill their own (laughs) failed dreams but the next generation will the next generation certainly will yes yes like i could drive lincoln mad trying to be a snowboard champion that 
could almost make sense because I wanted to be that. It also, it's comforting to know that, no, the Tony Hawks and the Sean White still materialize without the draconian parenting. Yeah. Before this weekend, I never thought I would be a father like that. And now all I want is a daughter because I feel like that's my key and I will push her to be in the F1 Academy someday. She would have to have the passion for it. I'm not going to force it on her, but if she has the passion, <laughs> I am all in. Five-year-olds are notorious for their passion for go-karting at four or five years old. That's that's how it started, <laughs> I'm sure, for Max. <laughs> deep, deep passion. He woke up one day at three and a half. <laughs> He's like, do I want to watch Barney and eat fun food and cereal or do I want to go out in the gas exhaust and, and fly into barriers? I guess my holdup is I have two boys that play sports and my holdup is I, I feel the same way. Like, I don't want to force them for me, mm. although I do get a lot of <laughs> joy and pride out of it. But yeah. I also know, having watched all these docs, like how early you have to be committed yeah. So there's part of me that's like, they don't know what they want one day to the next. But what if they get to 11 and they decide they do want. And it's too late. And it's too late at that point. So I'm like straddling this line of like, I want them to like it. I don't want them to resent me for pushing them. But also within those boundaries, I want to give them the tools. You want to set them up yeah. if they do choose to pursue Because, them. yeah, by the time you're 10, 11, it's too late. Yeah, but I get like, look at Wilder. He's he's just like a phenom already at baseball, right? Mm-hmm. Like, he'll probably, as long as he gets to play. But we're straddling that line. Like, we... Right. You're not running drills for three hours a night in the mm, backyard. We do a lot. <laughs> we do a lot. <laughs> like, ah! We do a lot. We do a lot. <laughs> Why do you think he's up at 5 a.m. every night? <laughs> We've gotten a couple... Shaking that little... Look you little boy awake. Come on, time to take some pictures. But we're straddling that line. Like, he likes it, but there's definitely not all the time. Okay. (laughs) It sounds like you're nailing it. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Did you watch the race, Jethro? And did you watch all the festivities? I watched nearly all the festivities. I have to say it was spectacular to see you boys amongst over 430,000 people, wasn't it? And uh, it was awesome. It was the first weekend we got to see... Max panicking, pushed yeah. a little. Mercedes were looking good. There's a whole load of circumstances why all this stuff happened, but it was a great reminder that racing is really, really good when you don't definitely know who's going to win mm-hmm. and yep. get the top place. Yeah, I enjoyed it, but I wish I was there. I would like to hear from on the ground what it was like. Well, this is often the case, and I won't speak for Matt and Charlie, but my my assumption is you know a lot more about what happened this weekend than I do. Because we're there, but we started using this expression... Like we woke up in the morning. I don't know what they did early, but I did my little routine with the the meditation and the journal. And then we went straight to the gym and those that bought us entry onto the hedonic treadmill. And if people don't know the hedonic treadmill, it's this endless pursuit of dopamine junkiness, right? So from noon on, we would jump on the hedonic treadmill and it was cappuccinos every 18 minutes. It was multiple entrees for lunch, desserts galore. We went to Dairy Queen every single night of this trip. And when we went, we ordered two Dairy Queens. Um, Hit everyone with your weight fluctuation. I got an official final weight this morning that it feels normal but i started at 201.2 the when morning, we left the morning of the trip at one point at la fitness was 216 i watched him weigh himself but i think that must have been off this morning yeah. i was 207.9 so it's i yeah. think closer to six and a half 
I gained eight pounds. I measured myself this morning. Eight pounds. Yeah. Are you serious? So tell me what is the Dairy Queen strategy? Because it's more important than the tire strategy. What what do you go for? That's my favorite thing about America, basically. Dairy Queen. I go for a, a vanilla cone dipped in chocolate, the shell. Oh, you do? Classic. And then I'm all over on the blizzards. So I went with a Reese's one, some cookie dough one, some pecan pie style one. If I can be honest, your performance all week was excellent. You were in a great mood. You were always up for doing anything. We also went swimming in Barton Springs every single day we were there. Like, we were on it. His blizzard decision-making to me looked chaotic and unhinged and untethered. I, like, he didn't know what he wanted, and I don't think he ever got the one he wanted. I I, I gotta give that, like, a four out of that's why he that. kept wanting to go so much. Maybe. Charlie at Ferrari did his yeah. 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 strategy. Yeah, wrong strategy. Exactly, just throwing darts at the board. He's like, he, and it was great. We walked in there. We kept almost missing it. Like, we would be somewhere. A fun place, and we would be talking to people, and we'd go, we have to leave in three minutes because Dairy Queen closes at midnight. And they couldn't believe that was our main objective. (laughs) But numerous times we rolled in with like 90 seconds left. And, you know, God bless the the staff at Dairy Queen. Like they've just gotten beat down for the last however many. They cannot wait to get out of there. They do not want us to walk in. We hit them with six orders. Six Six orders. (laughs) But Charlie had the audacity to ask this guy. He's like, what? um, Tell me about the churro. Churro dipped cone. (laughs) And the guy literally goes, Jethro. Also, he's got a face mask on, so you can barely hear him. And he goes, it's a churro yeah, dip cone. It's a churro dip cone. And Charlie goes, yeah, but like, what is there anything? He goes, well, I don't, what more can I say about it? <laughs> this is literally his answer. <laughs> and it sucked. <laughs> it was fucking terrible. You know me, I'm always a banana swill blizzard because I know what the best blizzard is, so I get it every time. And then uh, also a hot fudge Sunday, extra hot fudge. Every order, same order. Yeah. And you danced around. Matt wasn't as into Dairy Queen as, as Charlie and I. <laughs> no. I... <laughs> I'm this weird person that I really like high quality vanilla bean vanilla ice cream. Like I will fuck off Matt. <laughs> and you know what? I got to say, like, I, you know, I wasn't that excited, but I did it and it was good. Like it's any ice cream's good. It's just I'd rather the best ice cream. I'm a little we bit saw a side of Matt we didn't know existed because he's a simple boy from Canada, but he has joined the bourgeoisie when it comes to yeah. night three of Dairy Queen. Matt was not. Excited. He was actually oh, upset. He was I, upset well, that we were going. I was excited because it looked like we'd missed the window. And then we're off, we're back. We're like five, five minutes from home. And then Charlie's like looks over and he's like, found one. Closes in five minutes. Oh, I love it. You're, you're literally scouring Google Maps. It yeah. was different branches. The wildest driving was not at Coda. It was en route to Dairy Queen yeah. as it was closing for but, sure. But Charlie did the sweetest thing in the airport on the way home. He knew I didn't get my good ice cream and he went to get us coffees. There's this place, Amy's Ice Cream, that's all over Austin and brought me back this incredible nice Mexican organic, me- organic Mexican mm. vanilla bean ice cream, which was fantastic. So... That's incredible. As far as the festivities on track, I'm really going to have to defer to you at the all the nitty gritty that went down. We certainly observed what happened, but uh, we missed a lot of radio communication. It seems like the entire race was decided by a tire strategy and that, of course, Red Bull. What it feels like the headline of this race was is we're all overly aware of how talented Max is, but I thought this was a great display of how fucking on it the team is. It's not like he's making that call for a two-stop at the moment he does. That's the team running the numbers, right? Yeah, it was. I mean, it was just typical in the... It, well, it was 
not typical in that we had the slightly mixed up grid. So we had Ferraris who were super quick and Leclerc got pole for the sprint race, didn't we? And then Verstappen did turn it around and got pole because it was a sprint weekend. So they had their one practice session uh, to dial the cars in. And then there was yet more track limits talk, which I think we're all got bored of. They seem to have lightened up a little bit now, though. It didn't seem as as brutal as the previous track limits issues. It wasn't as bad, but they changed the way they measured track limits um halfway through which even the commentators didn't know about when they when it was first uh, happening because it looked like russell had run wide in quali and was going to lose his lap but there'd actually been a change and the commentary team as far as i could tell didn't even know that that had happened but yeah max lost his lap um in quali so he ended up starting in sixth place Leclerc was second quickest, but ended up being on pole because of the Red Bull track limits. But yeah, that's where it went, really. But the the main race itself, well, the sprint race, sadly, was uh, Max just disappeared. So that was a bit of a letdown, and it felt like the race was going to be a procession. Max was going to come through pretty easily. But as it was, Lando was super quick, got jumped the start and got into the lead and sort of disappeared up the road. Lewis was super fast as well. But then, yeah, it came down to the to strategy and uh ferrari went backwards as ferrari do they put leclerc despite the fact he'd lost i think 18 seconds in the sprint race and in just a sprint having started on pole because his tires went off they put him on a one-stop strategy so the the car that's hardest (laughs) on tires goes on a one-stopper and it looked like hamilton was right in the mix but they they sort of didn't make the decision they wanted him on a one-stopper Mm-hmm. Then they realized it was probably not going to work. He was calling for a two-stop, and they they basically missed their window, uh, and it allowed Max to get in front and Lando to get in front. And then um, Hamilton came back to second and was chasing really hard to get Verstappen at the end, but sadly couldn't do it. And then we had the whole incident with the floor, the plank mm. that you. Yes. That I, I feel vindicated about. Yes, as you yeah. should. But before we get to the plank, I will say that in the race, and it's the first race all year, it seemed to me that Lewis had the pace, that the that the Mercedes had the pace to be a legitimate rival to Red Bull this weekend. Uh-huh. Yeah, it just seemed like strategy-wise, they blew it. Yeah, if um, they had done the right strategy, I... I and they were ahead and mentally like they were ahead and i think they're so used to coming from behind and having to out strategize Mm. to win and this was the one race they didn't have to do that they were ahead so minimally they should have just been conservative and mirrored red bull strategy like just match them and fall back on max having to pass lewis instead of trying to beat them in the pits and through strategy they should have let them fight that was their best chance i think i think they thought that max was going to be too fast and they so they were sort of planning on how to come second from the start which was like you say completely wrong and they they could have gone for the win but yeah max had a problem as well with his braking so that's what he was blaming his lack of pace for but it was the same story this plank situation was that the red bull had to raise its ride height again and when it does that it's not quite as dominant because it's a super bumpy track they're all moaning about how bumpy and patchwork the surface was and because they only had that free practice one to check out where over the course of the weekend it seems like red bull went fairly conservative um which i guess they can afford to do because they've got the quickest car and mercedes clearly didn't and they ran the car pretty low which helped with downforce and performance and then you throw in max's braking problem and suddenly it, it exaggerates how much they've caught up so it'd be lovely to think this is it forever but i suspect it flattered mercedes slightly but they're definitely going in the right direction hamilton was properly on it and properly happy and it's nice to see 
him back actually making moves, making things stick and hunting down Max. That was really cool. Yeah, even when he has a good weekend, he's not he's not hunting folks generally. And he was really on the hunt and he was hungry. You could tell. It's, a, it's like he could sense that it was within his grasp. That was the upside of their strategic blunder was getting to watch him on a fast car, pushing it, making, making some moves. Yeah, five more laps and, you know. Stay tuned for more F1 with DRS. Now, um, do you boys, us Americans here, are you shamed by the condition of that track surface? Because it it drives me fucking nuts that our one race, I mean, now we have three, but for years, our one race, it's abysmal. It's fucking like a dirt, washed out dirt road. I get so mad that that's our track. Well, Max was calling that it needs to be resurfaced for next year. I kind of take it with like the heat, the track limits. You just deal with it part of the it's part of the circuit no shame Suck for you you're no. not embarrassed that that's our offering it's by design when, when you're Let's watching jethro it. do you go really america you guys this is the best you could do i don't quite think that it was weird how they patched it i think that was what was really strange i think the bumps and everything it's built on some is it on a floodplain and it's built on some slightly, built on quicksand um, is what we call yeah, it on clay yeah. And, yeah yeah um <laughs> I can live with the bumps. I think that's cool and it's an extra challenge. But when they just resurface, like, oh, we're going to resurface turns 12 and 16, and then it looks like some guys have just come and repaired it, you know, the week before, that does look a bit shitty, which is strange because America's so shiny and good at putting on a show normally. I know. that. Is, I feel really disappointed by yeah. it. I want to be on record saying they got to make it a little bit better. So speaking of the track, as we got to go on that little track tour oh, yeah. after the sprint race. So we hopped in a little van and we drove the track. Yeah, and thank you, F1 Academy. They were kind oh, of... Yeah, so they, they brought us, us on that. a little tour, which was so cool. But the elevation change there is insane. And you yeah. don't really get it until you're on the track. I mean, you kind of see that turn one is going up uphill but everywhere on that track is like so much change in elevation and that's a big hill like i think walking yeah. up that would be your a, thighs would hurt yeah. yeah oh yeah yeah yeah. and so that was really cool to see and feel and it just made me think of like some somewhere like spot must feel completely cool. insane like a roller coaster because this this track looked relatively flat when you watch it on tv even there it looks like you're in texas it's flat but being on it it was it was a trip it's got to be one of the more fun turns in formula ones for the drivers because you can just keep it pinned for so long i mean it's so steep that i have to imagine they just feel like they have the most amazing braking zone ever yeah i think the whole track's cool i love the way they took elements of other tracks like they've Mm. got a bit of turkey with that like four apex corner and then yeah the fast turns that that aren't too far dissimilar from suzuka so they've i i think it's a cool circuit and i i love watching just the sheer number of people that any race that feels like a festival is always just yeah. more exciting to watch as well. It feels like there's stakes involved when there's proper crowd there. You know, we talked to a lot of the staff that were working in these different hospitality areas, and we asked all of them what their favorite race to go to is. Yeah. And it was pretty unanimous. We heard multiple times that uh, Budapest is the race. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, that's a that's a scrappy little old track, which I think is great, but the city is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I mean, we might need to um, 
prioritize that one. Let it climb a little higher. Yeah, at least the half the people we asked said Budapest. So the crazy aftermath, obviously, is that Lewis and Charles are both disqualified. I've, in my short time watching the sport, I haven't seen that. That's the first time I've seen two drivers get fully disqualified on a post-race check of the car that, you know, that we know it goes to. But nothing's ever, you hear that the fuel could be an issue they could disqualify, but I haven't seen that. So this is really the first for me. So out of the 20 drivers, they tested four drivers for this plank issue. Oh, no. They and just two do four? Of, yeah. Max, Lando, Charles, and Lewis. Yeah. So okay, two of the four. the top four. And Charles's board was only a fraction of a millimeter under the limit. Well, they only have one millimeter of get. Like, yeah. that's the way. It's 10 millimeters. Limit. It can't be under nine. Wow. So you get one millimeter. Tiny. But, I mean, that's 50% of the tested cars. And Charles was down in sixth. I think he finished something like that. Mm-hmm. Why did they even test him? It makes sense to test the top four. I, it's supposedly random. But they got the top, top three. three. And that feels but unrandom. I'm curious how many other cars, if they tested them, yeah. is it is it half? Maybe the half the field. Yeah, or maybe. are they watching them? And if they go, if they're consistently going in a certain line, they're like, this doesn't look right. or They claim it's sparks. random. They do, but they also say they were looking at like cars that were sparking more or this, that, mm-hmm. and the other. Because the titanium that sparks is effectively protecting that board. And then when that wears down, the the, 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 board the plank does. starts to wear. But it does seem bizarre that Lewis would be tested and disqualified and child, but then they clearly think they don't have the resource to go and check Russell's car. Because if Lewis is illegal, surely Russell's illegal. And if Leclerc's illegal, yeah. surely science is illegal. And then it makes you think, well, there must be a pattern we should test everyone, surely. Well, I think it's like the Beckham documentary. He was so good looking, they hated him. And they really picked the two best looking drivers to test their... <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's just the tax of being gorgeous, perhaps, yeah. which, you know, I think happens. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, they I, I don't understand a random test. So then how about this scenario? Let's say all four got disqualified. Then, then you would know the remaining 16 also would be disqualified, but only these four are going to yeah. be penalized. Yeah. It, it seems preposterous. I mean, minimally one car from each team. And then if that one a doesn't pass, mm-hmm. then you have to, fo- I don't know. Yeah, it feels like a bit of a village show, doesn't it? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's going to be a, a multi-million, billion dollar. And they're saying, oh, we don't have time to test the cars. Like, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, or just or randomly test each team, one driver on each team. If you don't pass, yeah. then we test the other. But yeah. to leave a couple teams out doesn't seem, I don't know. If I was one of the teams that got tested, I'd be like, what, what the fuck yeah, is this? Yeah, this is insane. How would you feel about it? Because as Lewis, I would just be like, I came second. I wouldn't feel, I'd be a bit annoyed that I was disqualified, but I'd be like, I raced and I came second. It, it wouldn't really detract me. I don't think... You know, it's it, it's not him either. He did what he could do with, with the, the car. Team. I kind of feel the same. I'd be bummed about the points. See, that's what would burn me is he was in, you know, touching distance of Checo. Yeah. And that's two weeks in a row of no points. That's a burn. But yeah. also, given the weekend, I think he's got to still feel pretty good about it. This is the best he looked all year, I yeah. think. This yeah. is like his best race by a long shot. Um, okay, so P10, no one got it. Although, if they had tested every single car, who knows? Maybe Sargent would have gotten. I was highly <laughs> abused. I was like, oh, I can't believe we didn't get P10 again. And then there was the disqualifications. I was like, oh, one of us must have got it now. And we still didn't get <laughs> even it. Even when they changed the percent. It's like, no matter what we do, it's not going to happen. It's not possible. At first, we were furious. Like, okay, wow. First time in 12 weeks, someone hasn't picked Yuki. 
and this motherfucker gets 10th on this race, the one time we haven't picked him. But then that, that didn't even stand. That didn't hold. Yeah. Who ended up in P10? Sergeant got his first Sergeant. point. Oh, first Sergeant American first. point since Which, Andretti in 83. They kept posting all of this, the first <laughs> the first points uh-huh. for this, and it's just so sad. Like, yeah. they got it because two cars were eliminated. And, and six others DNF'd. Yeah, it's it like, you still finished <laughs> almost dead last at that point. Yuki got fastest lap, though. That was good. Yeah, he hit five points, which was great. Not great for for Danny, but yeah, you know. Danny says there was some issues with the car, but we didn't hear. There which. was some damage, I think, to the car. Okay, but there was some damage in the race. He did all right in one of the qualifying sessions, didn't he? Yeah. He beat Yuki and was. I thought he looked pretty good, but I tell you what, he looked. And maybe it's being out of the car. He looked tired, hot and bothered when I saw an interview with him afterwards. I was surprised. He he was red. Yeah. Maybe it was he just fresh got out of the car, but he. It, it showed the demands that are on you. And if you're not used to it, it's hard work. And I think he did better than it looked. He had that very late pit because his tires were gone. But I think he did better than the results show. Yeah, I agree, though, that, like, I don't think you can actually keep yourself at race level without racing. I think it's such a specific, weird set of muscles that you're, you know, keeping the blood in the right parts of your body like an F-16 pilot. Like, I think there's so much stuff that you probably can't accomplish in the gym no matter what. And it was hot. Yeah. It was mm. uncomfortably hot. He was saying he felt a little rusty just generally in the re- after the sprint. He was just like, there was a couple of places I let cars pass where I didn't need to and like stuff happened. But he, he was, I think he was pretty happy with his pace early on. Um, but yeah, he didn't, he didn't have a great race, sadly. But Yuki, it's almost like no one talks about him, but mm. he's consistently done really, really well. Whatever the teammate now, they come in and they, some match him, but it's not an easy job. But I feel like he's underrated. And Horner still doesn't like him, apparently. That's what the rumors are. Oh, really? Yeah. They, they persist. Yeah. His Marco's got Yuki's back, and apparently Horner doesn't want him there. Now, I wonder if he just doesn't want him there because Marco wants him there. Like, if he's got to be, be then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But Marco did come out because there were rumors that he was going to get from his cave. And Marco was like, Marco said, <laughs> absolutely not. I have two years left on my contract, and I will not be leaving I will leave on my own terms. And then Max even came out and said, if Marco leaves, I'm gone. Mm. I don't believe that statement from him. But I don't, I don't yeah. buy it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what, what See what Yost has to say about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So what about on the ground, boys? Do the cars look different? Do you feel that you can see which cars are quick and which cars aren't? You know, do you, do you feel like you get a different perspective when you're there? Certainly, we are, day one, we were at turn 15, which is almost ideal because you're watching them come downhill. They're making a right into a left. And... On TV, that looks quick, but yes, in real life, we were like, that looks impossible according to Newtonian physics. Like, that actually doesn't look like that an object should be able to do that. It was it was a really great chunk of the track to see. It was cool to see too when they're on their cool down laps or their their warm up laps. They're still going really fast. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you see them coming through, and that almost looks impossible. Mm-hmm. And then you see them pull over for the car that's on a flyer, the best is, and they're just yes, it's impossible. The best is watching someone on a either an out lap or a cool down lap. And you think they're moving, and then someone blows through on a quali lap, and it's just outrageous. It's yeah. And when we watch the race from turn 19, 
which was also cool because they were going quick into that turn, but then when they stepped on it to get to that final turn, you could mm-hmm. see it. I mean, they're just so fast. They're gone. They're just there and gone so fast. Did you get to see Oscar's moment? Did you see that in P in Free Practice One? Did you see him go off the track? No. Oh, we saw Max did, go off the track. I did. He go off, get into the dirt. He was like sideways, sideways. Yeah. Side. He was in full tank slappers yeah. and then landed in the grass, but somehow drove out of it. Yeah, it was awesome. Like it was like pro. I can't remember what turn it was. It was quick. It was like really quick, and he has a huge moment, and he's he's literally just fighting the car for about. It feels like twenty seconds before he gets it straight again. But it would have been a huge accident. It was really impressive to watch. Yeah, yeah. you imagine being in the car, and it's like you keep thinking. Okay, I got it. Okay, I got it. Okay. Oh, fuck. Here comes the grass. I'm still bucking. What's it going to be like when I hit this grass? That was the most shocking thing is that he drove it out of the grass. That was why. Yeah, no, he kept it in. He kept it in. I was very pleased. He didn't do as well over the weekend, but it was it was a good display of car control, if nothing else. <laughs> and Max had a moment like that where he spun out and just kept, he did a full 360 and just kept going. It was kept actually it amazing car control. He was, he was sleeping. Yeah. yeah he certainly yeah. was just dozing off. And Yeah, I do worry about how drowsy he's going to be for the remainder of the season. Yeah. It's yeah. going to take a lot to wake him up. Okay, let's... <laughs> Let's get into some pulp from the paddock. Okay, we have we, some. We're on a race weekend, so we've still got lots of work to do. We've got to pick another useless P10. I'll try to get through some quick. There's a lot of kind of stuff here. So first, we got a Netflix cup coming up Wednesday before the Vegas Grand Prix. Drive to Survive and Full Swing are coming together to do a live Netflix first live event. It's a golf event mixed with F1 drivers and professional golfers to pro am in Vegas. So that's going to be fun. Uh, Another big investment for Alpine from NFL athletes like Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes, and a few people. So they're just getting everyone on board with there. Something interesting I saw in the pre-press conference for this race was the drivers were talking about how the mandatory pit stops in Qatar the other week. And did they enjoy it? Did they not enjoy it? And how it's different were there. They were doing basically like qualifying pace, the whole thing. And it was interesting because they were like, we like both and kind of want both. Like, it would be interesting. They didn't like the fact that everyone knew what lap they had to pit on. But it would be interesting to see, like, different races where it's like, oh, no, it's mandatory three stops. And you're just going to send it the whole time. Anything that shakes up any kind of consistency is ideal i love Mm -hmm. going you know back and forth sprint non-sprint all the things that uh and then some rain anything that shakes it up i think makes the i felt like it took away from like this weekend there was so much strategy and the pit stops when you pit and knowing i guess it'd be different if they mandatory said you have to do three stop or two stop but knowing the tire life was 18 laps and you just know exactly when because they can push it right up to that 18 lap mark yeah that took away an element for me that i just kind of like, That's totally fair. It's almost like strategies off their shoulders. They don't even yeah, really have yeah. to think about it. They're going to stop three times. But again, to go back and forth a lot is a win mm-hmm. in my perspective. I agree. Like they should race on gravel every 10th race. <laughs> I mean, let's just keep, you know. Yeah. I'm Sergeant does, doesn't he? <laughs> Obviously, Leclerc had a tough weekend with the DQ. Hold on. Maybe. Charles was at Dairy Queen as well. Yeah. We, I yeah. thought we would have seen him. Yeah. <laughs> um, he maybe wanted to because he had a massive tooth infection this weekend oh. and he was on heavy painkillers <gasps> all weekend, including the race, which yeah. I found very interesting because I've taken painkillers for a serious shoulder injury and it says do not drive. I can't mm-hmm. imagine there being a heavy painkiller well, that doesn't say 
do not drive. Does it say do not drive? Is that Canadian? In in the U.S., it says do not operate, operate heavy, heavy equipment, which is yeah. a little different than do not drive. Oh, so that means you can drive. You just can't operate machines? Heavy equipment. Heavy. So this would be like an excavator. You're right. It, it does say bull- that, but yes. I just assumed. You can drive an F1 car, but you can't drive a NASCAR, basically. So. <laughs> yeah, yes, exactly. Exactly. What if it said no NASCARs on the pill bottle? Yeah. <laughs> he also has now the trifecta from poll of a DNF that mm, did not start. And a disqualification yeah. from pole position. That's so, perfect hat yeah. He's got them all. So, <laughs> so this is, this might sound political. It absolutely is not political. But a lot of people were commenting that Max was getting booed on the podium. We had on our Instagram multiple people that are from Texas, from Austin, that were in the audience of that podium celebration. And they were like, we just want to know no one was booing Max. There was the Texas governor that came on, which for a lot of people in Austin don't like him. And they were, they were like, any opportunity we have to boo this governor, we do. So I feel like Max then after the race was asked, why, like, how do you feel about people booing you? And he was kind of talking about it. But if Max it's, is it wasn't this, booing for it's him. not booing for well, you. Well, I, saw, I heard that too. And then I saw a couple clips where he was booed a couple times this weekend. Yeah. Well, the They're governor all, is a huge Max fan and was always shadowing him. Shadowing him. Yeah, <laughs> he was always. And then there were a behind. lot of Checo chants. Somehow Max is now bad for Checo. Like yes. The, fans, the Checo fans are turning on Max He's for some reason. He's to blame for. I guess. And maybe to some degree, yes, because if your teammate's perfect and you're having a mental mudslide, maybe what's it's he going to do? Help you win, push you along, tow you around? I don't know. But <laughs> I, I mean, do I think feel that's like, what the Checo fans probably want. I feel like there's some there's some heated animosity from those fans. Unjustified. Yeah. I agree. Everyone should recognize Max as a god on planet Earth. We're lucky enough to witness <laughs> his arrival. Well, and if anything, they should thank him because they're still going to win the Constructors Cup. Yes, because well, of Max. And if they weren't, that would be even more hot water mm. for Jack. I was worried when I heard the booing because I thought it would it would like flick to a shot of Dax wading into a <laughs> taking my shirt off, just <laughs> taking him out, ripping his shirt off, <laughs> defending. You Max's will not, honor. David oh, Beckham, Max. You will not Beckham, Max, on my watch. That would have been the only thing to get you in that massive crowd, people. Yeah, yeah. All of a sudden, the only thing throwing bodies around. <laughs> Um, I punched some guy. He's, oh, it's the governor. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> we also have, I saw a video of, you know, there were a lot of helicopters overhead. And I don't know if it was the beginning of the race start or what it was, but there must have been a miscommunication. There was fireworks going off into the helicopter. Oh, they, be- they beamed one. Yeah, and you see the helicopter just like hovering there. The fireworks started going off and then he just dipped out of there fast. It looked oh, like wow. it could have been very bad news. Oh, boy. It's already the most gangly f- flying device when you're in when you already are going this is it's very I weird. know intuitively this is wrong it just <laughs> this goes down float in the air it's not and then if you start taking mortar fire i can imagine how exciting <laughs> that is yeah and then radio thing it was like everyone was just going off about max just max and jeep gp were just at each other's throats commenting during breaking and all that but i think my favorite one was leclerc during i think it was qualifying and his engineer just started lap time deleted for verstappen and you yes. just hear him having a heart attack. He was just... He said, I had a heart, didn't he? Yeah, say he like said, that? I had a heart attack. Yeah. <laughs> Thought his laptop Could have been the painkillers, yeah. This is goes to show, like, if you like someone, whatever they do, you think is funny and charming. And if you hate them, you would just hate it. Like, clearly, if you hate Max, you must be throwing up when he talks on yeah. the radio. I love it. Like, there wasn't mm-hmm. a single radio communication on screen that didn't have 15 asterisks in it. To hide the swear words. It was, was the saying. only times we cheered in the paddock. Yes, Every time we he heard Max yell or swear, uh, we were like cheering. I'm not the biggest fan, but I did like 
I like when the sentiment is just shut the fuck up and let me drive. Let I'm me driving. do this thing I know how I'm, to do better than all of you. Yeah, I, those I can appreciate. And that was the entire messaging this race was just shut up. I got it. But he also wants it both ways. Like the notion that he can't be interrupted in a breaking zone is preposterous. We know he's listening to the radio for telephone yes. rings. He's watching TV. Like this, all of a sudden he's susceptible to distraction in the breaking zone is uh-huh. comical. Uh-huh. Well, I was listening to a Red Bull podcast this morning, and it actually had Checo and his race engineer. Okay. And an interesting question they asked the race engineer, they said, have you ever been in a car going 200 miles an hour around a track to know what the driver could be thinking in those moments so you know what to say? And he was like, no, absolutely, I never have. So I'm curious, I'm, that's probably, he doesn't have any driving training. He was an engineer that came to F1 and then learned about cars. So I feel like it's the same thing. And they were saying there's this constant battle between them where like, you're showing them the data, but you know how it feels and how it drives. And there's this constant kind of trying to find that middle ground. But I'm like, well, why aren't they being taken around the track yeah. in a two-seater F1 car to feel that? And it might give them some extra knowledge. I think it's just an excuse to Dax's point. Like, they're watching the big screens. They're not yeah. distracted by anything. But so I think, how, can you, yeah, how yeah. can you argue when someone says, let me drive, you're distracting me? You kind of mm-hmm. got to say, all right, you're, you know, you're right. <laughs> you're but, in the hot seat. It does feel like creating your own heroic status as well, doesn't it? Like, when, yeah. they're, when they're on, they're like, oh, man, I'm really struggling with these times. Don't talk to me for five laps or whatever, like, essential information only Uh okay boys come on you're just driving a car you're fine yeah (laughs) and you've done 300 laps this weekend and you were perfect on all of them you'll probably get through this one as well (laughs) okay so we have upon us mexico city also rave reviews about mexico city we did hear that a few times too if Uh these are for any any oh also we met a lot of f winners and it was awesome we bumped into tons of f winners all so nice and rad yes okay mexico city do we know anything about the track jethro i think the altitude is the key last year the mercedes was shockingly good right like their turbo worked really well they said the merc was good yes so it exposes power units that are struggling it also makes really high downforce cars struggle more but they don't struggle more but they don't see the benefit they would in normal dense air so it changes stuff around i think i don't know it's hard to predict but red bull will be good and i think mercedes will be actually pretty good they were very good last year so that would be a good shout alpine have supposedly got the worst um, power unit haven't they and they want to an upgrade to get to parity so i suspect their performance will struggle a bit as well why is everyone in america buying alpine by the way i don't understand it we had a lot of chat about alpine this weekend because by all accounts it's a great team like they're always up in seven and eight yet why don't we think of them as a good team and it's solely because their style is atrocious the car looks so fucking junky and cheap it does not look like a fifth place team at all or a fourth place team it's worse than Haas's look and you so we were we were all theorizing like you put a great livery together for that car that mm. would be a team that you could really root for and get behind and buy the merch up yeah well and this is ryan reynolds genius is he got probably a steal of a deal mm-hmm. he knows there's so much room to improve mm-hmm. just in the aesthetic and the, the yeah, brand itself for sure. and so he bought in and now everyone else knows that he's a part. And now they all want in because it will be cool and it will be. And even the valuable. word's good. Alpine. Yeah. 
it doesn't seem to resonate with the American market at all. Like they don't even sell Alpine cars in America. We don't know There's what it no, is. No, 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 you don't no even know knows. what it is. There's no. no history of Renault in America. It's just, yeah, it's weird how it's become adopted. But the word Alpine is nice, right? It's like, yeah, like Alpine. It. We think of skiing. You know, it's, it's what the fuck is a hoss with two, two A's or two Yeah, A's. hoss is like everyone's favorite. Yeah. That's true. And they, they have made some cool cars. They've won rally championships. Their current Alpine little sports car is fantastic. So yeah, they make cool stuff. The other thing we were theorizing about is like, was someone so smart at Alpine where they were like, well, we want to sell the team, you know, F1's grown, it'd be a great time to get out. And then someone was like, okay, I think we could probably get like 900 million for a flat out sale. But if we sell quarters of this, I bet we could get to one six. I mean, that's what feels like happening because this is the yeah. second chunk of 24% they've sold, right? Yeah, seems to be the strategy, doesn't it? I think they want to keep their toe in because they just still don't know where it's going. So they're hedging a little bit, but they're just cashing out. Well, and they still have 52% ownership, I guess. Right. Maybe we can all go in on 1%, get some loans, yeah. buy that remaining. They can afford to give out 1% still yeah, yeah, and have yeah. majority. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so P10, I'm going to start this week, and I'm going to say Daniel Ricardo. I want to go last so there's less options for me. Okay, yeah, Jeff, oh, you go. <laughs> Haas, like, didn't, they had an upgrade and they were still rubbish, weren't they? Yeah. Um, mostly. But Hulkenberg was encouraged by a couple of bits, and I haven't picked him for a while, so I'm going to go Hulkenberg. Hmm. Nico Hulkenberg. This is tough. Sergeant, back-to-back <laughs> -back points. I'm going to go Botas again. I oh, really wow. think they're you, maybe figuring things out. Always go for Alpha. I forget they exist somehow, but you always choose Alpha. Well, they, I don't know. It's just them talking about We like talking Alpha. About we like our bro Vince. Our, our, Vin, yeah. our bro Vince works Yeah, they're cool. The car yeah. looks great. I oh, love their livery is Their livery is awesome. Yeah, yeah. it's gorgeous. Um, I'm going to go Gasly. Yeah, that's a great pick. Although he's been right. He's been up too high. Yeah. I, I've had him a couple times, and he's like living at sixth. That's part of it. He's bound for a well he must have ended up at fifth or sixth with the sixth, disqualifications yeah, yeah. six yeah yeah i feel like there's going to be a couple strategic dnfs this week this is totally off topic but it was a shocker to us somehow we got on heights of formula one drivers and one of the drivers is six two jethro who's your guess at who's six two six foot two Right? Isn't that shocker? Is that six foot two in the F1 paddock or six foot two in real life? Well, right. Because we you now gotta, know there's a big difference. You got to backdate it from Toto being six four, who's really six two. So this is probably. I think he was listed at six five. Six five, yeah. So, yeah. so maybe this driver that's listed at six two is really five eleven. But regardless. I'm going to say Albon. What's your guess? Ocon. So Albon's a great guest. He's tied with number two with George. They're both 6'1". But you were okay, right. Yeah. O Ocon is 6'2", which yeah. does he not, is. I don't think of him as being tall, and I don't know why. Because he's not. Because he's not. Because he's not. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's 5'9". He's but Hulkenberg, I think 6'1". I walked I, by him, and he was seemed very tall. I want to say he's six foot. Yeah, if I remember the there. little yeah. breakdown. So, Jethro, did you pick? I did. I chose uh, Hulkenberg. Hulkenberg. Oh, guy. Which is he's definitely 6'2", with his hair, I would say. Yeah, that's what it with is. With a fresh spike. Okay, so Mexico City, it's here. It's here. It's like two days we're going to be watching practice. And I'm actually, both I love the track. It's a, an exciting track. There's variables, as you mentioned, the altitude and the downforce issues make it exciting. But mostly, as much fun as I had it in Austin, and we did. We love you, Austin. My God, what a, what a wonderful place to spend five days. Oh. I'm so excited to be back in the basement watching with a fine-tooth comb and a magnifying glass because mm -hmm. I just miss too much stuff when we're at the race. There's too many cappuccinos to be drank. There's too many um, lamb chops to be eaten. Too many distractions. I like the distractions. 
They're fun. Again, <laughs> it's nice for a change. It's nice for a change. Yeah, but I don't think I could be as into the sport as I am with the amount I'm missing while we're there. I just hope you boys support Dax when um, there's going to be a lot of booing for Max, isn't there, in Mexico, judging by yeah. what we've just seen. So you're going to have to for be sure. there for Dax when this is happening. Calm him down. Keep him feeling supported. There were all those rumors about Checo retiring in yeah. Mexico, which he said not he the said case. But you know, years. I'm holding on hope that there might be a little. You'd like to see him retire. <laughs> <You'd like, laughs> hold on hope that hold he might retire. That he does or doesn't. <laughs> that he does. <laughs> oh, oh, that he so I that you can see someone else in the Red Bull seat. Just some action. I yeah. want. Some, I want. To, I want some exciting news. Some high drama. I hope he kills it. I hope he really just wins this one. The rhetoric's changed internally, hasn't it? I think. I think he's gonna go. Yeah, I love him and I root for him, and I want to see someone faster in the in the second seat because I want some pressure on Max. It's really the only thing that can save the sport if there is this continued Red Bull dominance. There's someone's got to be competing with him. Also, I feel like in rooting for Checo, you root for him to be somewhere else where he can do well. Where he can shine. Yeah. yeah. It's not happening here. Yeah, maybe he can maybe sign up now, get in with Cadillac uh, Andretti, which mm-hmm. has very low chance of getting in. But just pot mm-hmm. commit to that. Yeah. All right, guys. I love you. So much fun. Also, submit those stories. Vegas stories. Thank you. Yeah. SI. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So, again, Vegas is upon us. It's approaching. If you want to join us at the SI Club. Club SI. Club SI is the appropriate way to say it. If you want to join us at Club SI, please email us a story about Vegas, and hopefully we'll get to interview you. Um Again, Rob? Hello at F1.com. Hello at F1.com. Submit any crazy Vegas stories you have. And fuck it, I'm going to even open it up to wild card. Like you pass out at a party and a dog shit on your head or something. That's that's fair game at yeah. this point. Just yeah. hit us with some stories. We'd love to give away some passes for the weekend. It could be really fun mm-hmm. to see everybody and meet everyone. So uh, please email us. Give us those stories. And until next Wednesday with our Mexico City recap. I encourage everyone to push, 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 push.